I never offend anybody. I, I just let the Lord open the doors. And they're so hungry. Every time I walk in a car show, I say, okay, I'm on my mission field, you know. And almost without exception, I'm praying with somebody seriously at every car show. So, there'll be somebody that's so desperate right then, they don't care. Coming up now on First Person, the first of a two-part interview with Barry McGuire. Not the Eve of Destruction singer Barry McGuire, but the Eve of Revival Barry McGuire of the Car Care Products Company, who truly believes God will bring spiritual renewal through prayer and obedience to the Word. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and in this week's interview, we're reaching back into the archive for an interview with Barry that we aired about three years ago as he tells his personal story. And then next week, a brand new conversation centered on his desire to see revival through what he calls Ignite America. I hope you'll plan now to listen again next week. For more, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com, where you can also learn more about our partner for this program, the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC is also committed to proclaiming the gospel, and you can help by visiting firstpersoninterview.com. Now, in this first interview, we get to know Barry McGuire's own spiritual awakening and how the Lord called him to use his business platform to minister to people. By the way, Barry is also the host of a TV show called Car Crazy. Well, Barry, here's what I want to know. I want to know, when did you become certifiably car crazy. <laughs> hey, I was born with the car crazy gene, man. God gave it to me from birth. Been a car guy all my life. Of course, I was raised in this incredible business that focuses on cars, making car wax. And so played with cars all my life. I had, uh, you know, like an awful lot of car guys. I had a little uh, go-kart with a lawnmower engine in it. And I did my thing yeah. back when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. Poplar mechanics with the advertisements in the back for the go-karts oh, man. And, and the minibikes. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I grew up on, on Hot Rod Magazine yeah. and um, never dreamed that someday that Pete Peterson, Robert E. Peterson, the founder of uh, Peterson Publishing, of course, Hot Rod mm-hmm. uh, back in 1940, would end up becoming one of my dear friends. And Alex Exidius and, you know, just uh, all, the, all the guys, they all be – I mean, when you're 15 years difference in age uh, and you're only uh, 15, it's a big difference. <laughs> but when you get to be my age, it's all of a sudden your peers, you Understood. know. And uh, so I hang out with, uh, you know, like George Barris and what are the guys. They're, just, they're my friends. What a life. And, and you do it all over the world, too. I do it all over the world. You know, uh, most people, if they have a product they sell to car guys, it's for a certain type of car, a certain vintage car. But Car Wax works on every car. And so <laughs> we sponsor car shows all over the world. We're at, on any given weekend, we are at uh, just about every major car show in the world, whether it be here, England, Russia, China, Indonesia, Thailand, Australia, Wait wherever. Wait a minute. There's car shows in Indonesia? Ever, oh, my goodness. You cannot believe the car hobby in Indonesia. <laughs> really? That's a big country, and uh, there's a lot of money down there. Huh. And uh, every country – I mean, the car hobby is – in the poorest of countries – you have the car hobby going. Yeah. And you have I saw your show in Mexico cars. where you did went you? to the car show. Yeah, we yeah. just did one in Tokyo. Uh, we did one in uh, Finland this year. And um, car guys are the same the world over. You know, I, I often – in fact, I spoke at a car show last night for da- Dr. David Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. He had a car show at his campus. I said, you know, uh, car guys – and it was like 70 80% car guys, non-saved, unsaved car guys at the show last <laughs> draws night. draws them in. And I said, you know, car guys are like the best guys. I'm a better person. I have better friends because I'm a car guy. Hmm. And car guys are the most generous, giving, caring. They're just unbelievable. And they're the same the world over. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just one little problem with that from an attorney standpoint. As good as car guys are, 
it doesn't get you not, into heaven. Not good enough, is it? You know, and 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 I say, like, I have a lot of car guy friends that live a lot better lives, quite frankly, than a lot of my saved friends. I'm sorry to say that, mm-hmm. but but I have a lot of unsaved, a lot of friends in the church that are not nearly as generous and giving and as kind, but they're on their way to heaven. And it, it, because it's not about what we do, it's about what he did for us. And yeah, you got you got message. right to the point here today. I want to talk about <laughs> that's what I want to talk to you about is your passion for Christ. Well, but I, I got have, I have a few more car questions okay, for you. How sure, do you maintain the enthusiasm that you have for this whole industry? You know, f- f- for those of us who are believers, there's nothing secular. Everything we touch is sacred. Everything we touch. So people say, well, how can you have God as your priority, and but you still go around talking about cars and stuff? Well, we have lots of loves. I mean, how do you love your wife and love hamburgers? You know, it's like <laughs> they all love different things. <laughs> the fact of the matter is when I love God, then when I love on people, I love cars or whatever, I'm not doing it just because I want to make the people happier. I love cars. But I'm doing it because I do it with God's love. Mm-hmm. God's God's shedding, sharing his love through me. I genuinely love these cars. I generally love on people. Wherever we are, you know, God said, love him first and love our neighbors. Yeah. And uh, I, I went through all the programs of how to share faith, and, and none of them seemed to work for me because they were so structured. And, and, and I got frustrated early on because I couldn't get them saved the first conversation I had, you know. <laughs> and their conversation would go off to left field. I'm trying to get them back to point three of my presentation. I used to get mad at them. I got mad at God. You know, it's like I just I was just really – I had good intentions, but I finally just, just got to, you know, just love me and, and, and love your neighbor. And so I love on people. So my, my business is my pulpit, and I, I'll tell you a story how that started. I got mm-hmm. that message from God very clearly one day. Would you like to hear how yeah, that started? I'd like started? to hear. I, that's what I want to talk to you about, those turning points in your oh, life. Oh, this is just so amazing. I, um, there's a layman by the name of Herb Ellingwood. He was the legal affairs secretary for then-Governor Reagan. And he spoke at our church at a luncheon because his brother happened to be a member of our church. And so he came. He didn't know anybody. He sat down next to the to the to the, uh, you know, the podium. And for some reason, what God did it, I don't know why, but uh, there's no other explanation. I got to sit right beside him, and I couldn't wait to go talk to him about Reagan. Do you really pray in Reagan's <laughs> office in Sacramento? And so I rushed to that seat. And so long before people started sitting down even, I started conversation. We talked nonstop up until the time he got up to speak. He never once mentioned Ronald Reagan's name. Mm. He was the happiest guy I had ever met. He was just glowing. And he had one story, one amazing story after another, how he was leading people to the Lord or leading people closer to God continually on airplanes, wherever he went. And I walked away from that luncheon changed. And I thought there is – this is a part of Christianity I didn't even understand. I so had no idea. So he wasn't zeroing in on you in particular, was he? Or, I mean, the Holy Spirit was. Holy Spirit was. Yeah. He was just sharing with you, like he shared with everybody. Okay. And this was his life. And the fact that he was legal affairs, so he ended up being with Reagan in, yeah. in, in Washington, D.C. But that wasn't what defined him. What defined him was his purpose was to get as many people to heaven as he possibly could have. Isn't it interesting how God will orchestrate those moments? So you were in the right place at the right time, and his life was open before you? 1973. Okay. So what changed for you at that point? Well, I, I wanted what he had. See, we're supposed to be the light on the hill, right? And people see God through us and want what we have. I wanted what he had. I was saved. I was I was doing the work of the church. My dad was the pillar of the church all my life, and so I served. I did everything, taught Saint school, ushered, sang in the choir. You name it, I did it in the church. But I didn't have that joy. I was doing it. I was being 
almost, I'm thinking, I thought later, almost like being one of our Jewish brothers, right? Just trying to earn my way into heaven. It was a duty to you. It was a duty. I loved it, but it was just this perfunctory thing of what am I doing instead of just a relationship with God. He had a relationship with the Lord that I I hungered for. I wanted to have that joy. Hmm. And so I started sharing my faith. For the next three years, just to jump ahead right quick, three years, I, I stood it. And I, I tell everybody, you know, it's like anything else. You start shooting baskets after a while. You know, I got grandkids. They couldn't shoot a ball. But they've lived with basketballs now for years, and now they just shoot the bottom out of that basket. You know, they're just amazing. I used to be able to compete with them. I can't anymore, but they did a lot of practice. Yeah. The more I started sharing my faith, the more effective I got, of course. And I realized it's God's timing, not my timing. And I can't save anybody. And you know, the basic things of soul winning, you just— allow God to orchestrate the conversations. And so 1976 comes, and I'm just, I've decided I'm supposed to go into full-time ministry, okay? I'm supposed to leave the family business, go into full-time. I really felt like that because I was having— The business your grandfather started, your father third ran. generation. Yeah. I'm the third-generation leader now for my family business, and it was a very small business in those days. We were doing less than a million dollars, had about 18 employees. And I knew if I left the business, it would fail. So this was a serious— Thing. So I closed the door to my office one afternoon about 4 o'clock, and I prayed the most fervent prayer of my life, seriously, and asked God, what do you want me to do with my life? If you want me to go into full-time ministry, I will do it. God, I promise you I'll do it. But the consequences of that and the impact on the family business, and I have two little girls i got to feed. I don't know how I'll feed them. It's pretty heavy. So I really need to know if I if you I mean, just tell yeah, me. Right. And I didn't say with an audible voice, but I said, oh, I'm almost going to have to hear with an audible voice. You know what I mean? And I finished praying that prayer. And um, I decided I wasn't going to get any work done the rest of that. So I started putting my papers away. And a guy walked in the door who was from my church. I knew his name was Dave McNutt. I knew he was a missionary kid, grew up in Africa, um, not too far from my age, a little bit younger. Um, had no conversation, never had a conversation with him, none at all. But And I was wondering who he came to see. And the secretary brings him into my office. He shakes my hand, sits down. I said, so, Barry, hey, I thought I'd stop by. It's close by. How's it going? And so I made a snap decision that he he was a missionary kid. He's probably not into cool cars and shiny paint finishes. <laughs> so I started telling him about people I shared my faith with. And he came back to me just to rush it right quick. I could go into great detail. But he said, boy, God's given you a wonderful ministry here, hasn't he? And I said, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And I've got to, whoa, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, well, the people you're reaching, a pastor couldn't reach. But as a businessman, you can. Then he gave this, this message to me, which is to this very day. It's obvious that your business is your pulpit. Wow. And I just sat back. I mean, chills going down my spine. I said, i got to tell you, not 20 minutes ago, I just prayed this prayer. He said, well, that explains it. I said, what? He said, I was driving up Red Hill. I just dropped some missionary friends off at the Orange County Airport, and God spoke to me and said, go see Barry McGuire. Oh, can you see the goosebumps on my arm right now? <laughs> and I, 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 He huh. says, I argued with God all the way to your office. I knew where it was, but I didn't want to meet with you. I said, God, I don't know this man. I don't even know what kind of business he's in. I'll make a fool out of myself. Mm. He said, when I got to your lobby, I was sure I wouldn't be able to see anyway. And I got right into your office. When I walked, I didn't know what to say. I really didn't know what to say. Just, what do I say? I said, well, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) That was a God moment. Yeah. 25 years passed. God-ordained moment. God-ordained moment. That he would come and speak to you the very word that you needed, the answer to your own prayer. Absolutely. More from Car Crazy's Barry McGuire today, coming up in the second half of First Person. 
This program is supported each week by the Far East Broadcasting Company, and I'm Ed Cannon, the president of FEBC. These first-person stories of God at work in people's lives always encourage me, and at FEBC, we want to encourage you even more with God's Word. Take a moment to sign up for our daily online 30-day devotional featuring stories and scripture. You can sign up easily at firstpersoninterview.com. Go there today, firstpersoninterview.com. My guest on First Person today in the studios of Ambassador Advertising in Southern California. Thanks to Jim Sanders for hosting us in the studio here today. But my guest is Barry McGuire of McGuire's Auto Care Products and Car Crazy on television, which I told you I, I never miss an episode. I, I, <laughs> oh, I, I tape you. them all and go back through them several at a time. We have and so much fun you, doing that. Your enthusiasm is so infectious oh. and your love for people is so infectious. You know, it is ministry, as we mentioned earlier, but it's full-time ministry. I love the Lord just to love people through me. Everybody contact. The way I look at it, we're in full-time ministry. Yeah. And every moment of every day, whether it's a body language or whatever, we're moving people closer to God or further away from God. Right. And time's running out. We have we we have to do everything we can to move as many people as we can into fellowship with the Lord. I agree. I don't know if they're going to be cars and heaven and the new earth and all that stuff, but I know they're going to be souls there. Right? I keep looking. I keep looking. I haven't <laughs> yeah, what seen. Are you, what cars. are you going to drive on that day? You know. You, think? <laughs> you know. I don't like this thing. There's. It seems like it says there's no seas, and I I am a beach guy. You know. I I want to go to heaven, but give me some water. I think the Lord likes water. Barry, Why t- is what's happening here? I can tell you this: you will not be disappointed. All right. <laughs> it's whatever. Whatever it is, it's better. Yeah, it's better. It's better. I can guarantee I, that. I, and I rest in that. I really do. Pick up your story. Uh, you, you are convinced that God wanted you to stay in business as a minister. Yes, stay in business. And he told me that he was going to give me a ministry in addition. And I knew what he meant by that, that he would give me a ministry where I could, I could actually train people how to share their faith. Um, I have been speaking for 40 years now to group sites. We could prayer breakfasts and CEO dinners and Sunday mornings. They'll have car shows at their churches. What a great outreach. And they, invite, and they yeah. give the car guys all the preferential space right in front of the front door. <laughs> and they come in and they hear this guy. Last night I spoke to a crowd that was mostly non-Christian car guys. Hmm. And I gave them the – I mean, I, I said, I'm not a preacher. I just want to tell you guys that I can speak in language that's a street language kind of speak, you know, in just real language they can understand. And so I've been doing that for a lot of years. But I knew that they, there's no follow-up. When I speak, I'm gone, and there's no way to follow up. I needed a ministry to go along with it, and I knew that God wanted me to do that. But all of a sudden, I'm here. Um, let's see, I'm in 2010. And uh, Karen and I keep talking about my dear wife of 50 years, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, we decided well, the, the uh, commercial property rates have gone down. Let's buy a building for the ministry. So we bought a building in 2010. I was still – we said, we buy a building, I'll put the stake in the ground and we'll have to – that will get us off the dime. We'll start building this ministry. But I didn't. I went down to Australia and while I was shooting TV down in Australia, I picked up a virus, a God-shaped virus. He gave it to me very specifically. Went to New Zealand, shot some shows there. By the time I got home, I had raging pneumonia. But a virus that nobody could identify went up and paralyzed me between my shoulder blades and down my arms. But when I got home, um, we were five days away from going to the Pebble Beach Concord Delegates, of course, the most famous, most important car show in the world. And I didn't have time to go to a doctor. And I have such a strong body. God's given me wonderful health. And I always tough it out. And I mean, I just keep on going. I just don't think about sickness. By the time I got to Pebble Beach, I was was excruciating pain. So on a Thursday night before all the big events started on Friday, I went by the community hospital there, which happens to be in the one percentile hospitals I found out later. 
And I said, if there's a line there, I'm not going to stay at the emergency room. Well, within eight minutes, they had me in a private room on oxygen running tests. They didn't even have my name. It was the most amazing experience. Long story short, I'm there for two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was dying. I knew I was dying. Um, wonderful privilege to be able to be right there, one inch more and I'm in heaven, and, and know that our faith really holds. Mm-hmm. And I was no more upset or nervous then than I am right now. I got out of ICU, then they put me back in because my breathing was incorrect. I was breathing 40 breaths a minute, and you're only supposed to breathe 20. Yeah. So they put me on what's called a BiPAP machine, and anybody in the medical field knows that that is – I told him I thought the Russians must have created when sodium pentothal didn't work. They put you on this bipap, so a mask on your face and ferocious air. And I was freaking out. And the doctor says, "Can I pray for you?" Huh. I said, "Please." And he prayed this Holy Ghost prayer on me, mm. and I just totally relaxed. I saw myself laying on an altar, just hands spent hanging to the floor. And all I could think of saying was, "God, make me a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you." And uh, instantly, I was gone from that place after being in the hospital for two weeks with all the ICU and all the machines. And they had a thing in my arm about squeeze your arm off for blood pressure automatically. I had one in each calf to stop blood clots. And I had this mask on my face blowing air ferociously in all the machines. What do you mean you were gone? I was gone. I was in a different place, total quiet, warmth, peace. I was just – it was just the most – I just – in just – it was just amazing, and immediately God started speaking to me. I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I'm a guy who pedals car wax, you know, <laughs> and I'm not a spacey guy. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a freaky guy. You're not a mystic. <laughs> but God just said, Barry, I put you here. I've been trying to get your attention. And I told you to start this ministry, and I'm frustrated with you because you haven't started the ministry. Mm-hmm. So here's what I want you to do. And he gave me very clear marching orders. And um, so I've been obedient to that. And there's a lot more to that story. We don't have enough so time to talk about it. So you were sent back on a mission. But I sent back. So let me tell you, we started work in that building. And we have now <laughs> officially revival outside the walls. It's mm-hmm. ROTW.com. And uh, we interview people that are sharing their faith that are in the game and helping people understand you don't share faith because you have to. But when you get in that sweet spot with God, you just can't help yourself. It's celebration, and it's so much fun. The church is just the preparation. The role of the pastors is to equip us for ministry and then to send us. And they're not sending us. But I say one thing the pastors continue, Pastor, you got to send us out. You edify us, yes, but edify us for ministry. Send us out. The world is hurting. I've been sharing my faith for 40 years. You know what? It's never been easier to share faith than right now. Things are Really? The, 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 the people that are not Christians, they know it's coming apart. They know it's not working. They're desperate. So we, challenge us about that. We, we, Why aren't we doing the job? Then? Oh, weird. Well, first off, the churches have been self-perpetuating. They're pretty much focused on building their own buildings and stuff. And I'm sorry, we have a lot of great pastors doing a lot of great. There's great exceptions to this, but for the most part, the church has failed. We're now a post-Christian society. We have on our staff uh, an Oxford doctorate-trained researcher. And he's researching all the research. So he's, he's gone to about four different – I said, they, every, every pastor uses a different number. I want the number. What's the number? So research the research. <laughs> so Barna is one of 40 different researchers, mm-hmm. research studies groups that he goes to. And some of them are secular. And he comes up with the mean average of all of those. And we call them our ROTW certified stats. Let me give you some amazing statistics okay. real quick. We think that most people don't want to know anything about God. First off, only less than 20 percent of our population – still goes to church, less than 20%. Less than half of those are saved. Around 99% of 
of the population of the United States. Let's say these are hardcore numbers, mm-hmm. okay? And about half of those are actually on their knees and in the word every day, about 5% of the population. Yeah, you're down to single digits. We are, we are a post-Christian society. We can't blame the liberals for that. We can't blame the, the, the press or the pornographers or the abortionists, any of those people. It's us. You know, there's one thing. I, I taught this by Naomi Dowdy, a missionary in, in Singapore. The one thing that is in common with salt and light, the one characteristic they both have, they both change their environment. And the question for each one of us is, are we changing our environment or is our environment changing us? More importantly, the church. Is the church changing the environment or is the environment changing the church? I think we know the answer to that. The, the, the very back Pogo way back with the cartoon picture, <laughs> yeah. we met the enemy. And uh-huh. it's, it's, it's us. Yeah. It's us. We failed. And so I, but I do think that the major reason God wants us to share our faith, it's the one, the only thing he mandated. We will share our faith. We are Christ ambassadors. Go into the world. That's, that's to each of us. We're the church to do that. But I'm convinced he did that secondarily to win the loss and most importantly to win us because if we're not giving out, it's not fresh every day. And we don't use it. We hear a sermon. It's a life-changing sermon. Two weeks later, we can't even remember what it was yeah. unless we pondered it and thought about it and shared it with other people. And it's in the sharing that we grow. And sharing gets us into the game. And so every day is an adventure. It's been a delight to hear your story. Thank you and, for what and it, you do. It's not just a story. It challenges us to live for Christ. Yeah, that's, that's what we're to do. You know, it, it, we just – that's our calling. I mean, our purpose in life, every single one of us. And be bold about Love it. God. Love our neighbors. Or so. We want him to confess us before his Father in heaven. Amen. And we need to take every opportunity to confess him and be bold. Not, I don't wear it on my church sleeve. I never offend anybody. I, I, I just let the Lord open the doors. And then they're so hungry. I just tell them I throw a little piece of love know where I'm coming from without bothering them. But when they have the cancer, or the, the hard times come, they're losing their business, they got to call somebody, they call me. And I have calls coming all the time. Every car show, I'm, I'm, every time I walk in a car show, I say, okay, I'm on my mission field, you know. <laughs> and almost without exception, I'm praying with somebody seriously at every car show. So, there'll be somebody that's so desperate right then, they don't yeah. care. Now that when we watch you on television, we know what's going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. Right. That's, that's what's, that's the fire in my belly. And I'm, I'm so grateful that God, you and I, we're part of that 5%. How is it? Those who have gone before, those who have fed us and ministered to us, thank God for every one of those that put us where you and I know who he is. We have this precious gift that we carry around the clay pots of our ordinary lives. We have the privilege of knowing who he is. We're going to heaven. You and I are spending eternity <laughs> together. <laughs> is it crazy? I want to ride How in the car so with privileged? you, though, when we get there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Deal? <laughs> Let's work okay. on that. All right. Thanks, Jerry. God bless. Always great to be with you. Thank you. Praise God. Well, next week, you'll hear part two of this conversation with Barry McGuire, which took place very recently and is centered on his ministry, Revival Outside the Walls, something he calls Ignite America. But you can go to our website right now to learn more about this exciting movement. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com. Also next week, Barry will tell us about one of the very special cars he owns with a great story behind it. Thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making today's program possible. Like our guest, FEBC is committed to the gospel message and reaching everyone. And if you'd like to hear testimonies of how God is using FEBC's radio programs to reach millions, please sign up to receive our daily online devotional. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com. I use it every day and it always encourages me in the word. Sign up at firstpersoninterview.com. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Part two with Barry McGuire next week on First Person.